Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at the film adaptation of Eclipse. Okay, so we made it to the movie. And honestly, I don't have that much to say about it. It's fine. It's fine. Is it worse than the book? Better than the book? About the same. They make some changes and additions, which I enjoyed. I just think it was such a thin book plot wise and I was already so sick of the fake love triangle to relive it all again on screen I was a bit like ugh which is in contrast to Insurgent so I just watched the Insurgent film on Patreon and I tell you what that was a complete mess of a film because they just changed the plot they adapted half the book which made looking at the movie critically a bit more interesting but this one it's just like yeah you know all right it's it's a sequel Of course, the main problem Eclipse has is what New Moon had, where there's just no continuity between these Twilight movies. The length of Edward's sideburns alone. Ridiculous. Chopping and changing more than the actor for Victoria. I just don't know what the vision was when they made the first Twilight. I just don't think they knew that they were making this a series. We didn't have, like, Kevin Feige from Marvel directing them so that we could actually see progression from film to film. Anyway, let's get into it. So we do open with something a little bit fun, and that's some rando guy coming out and getting attacked. He's just coming out of a bar in the rain, and this is Riley. And book readers, we're like, oh my God, Riley, we love Riley. Well, I don't know if we love Riley, but we know who Riley is. And so it's sort of fun to see his storyline throughout the movie, because we only get Bella's perspective in the book. So it's, hey, any time outside of Bella's head is fine with me. But I will say this scene is a bit confusing because presumably it's Victoria killing Riley. Well, killing him, converting him into the vampire. I'm unclear on the process, but she's turning him into a vampire. But she's just like swooping him a little bit, then running away and then hitting him and running away. And then he's running down the dock. And I'm like, just kill him? Like, Victoria, you're a vampire. You could just do it in three seconds. I know visually it's more interesting for us as the viewer, but like, Victoria... If this is how you're building up your army, it's not very economical. So then we get the opening credits. We pan down to the forest. There's Edward and Bella in their little meadow. And she's reading out that fire and ice poem. Thankfully, they just talk about fire and ice. They sort of leave Withering Heights alone in the movie. Thank God. And they're making out in the meadow. But I'm just looking at his mutton chops right down to the earlobe. 
Oh, and the glittering. He's been in full sunlight the whole time, not glittering. And then, I don't know, a cloud moves and then he starts glittering a bit more. And it's just the, I'm sorry to say it, the punsiest little bit of glitter. <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I had more glitter on me at Mardi Gras. I'm sorry. That is just the smallest amount of glitter. And then it just stops. They're just engaging in dialogue and it's, he's just stopped glittering all of a sudden. Do we not have the, the budget for CGI glitter? And if we don't have the budget, can we just whack some glitter on his face in makeup? Like the whole plot point of New Moon was that he'd walk into the sun and be so glittery, so distractingly glittery, that they would have to kill him on the spot because the humans seeing a glittery person would be like, oh my God, that's a vampire. Vampires are real. And the secret would be out. And now he's sitting in this meadow and he glittered for three seconds max. Meanwhile, they've cranked up the makeup budget for Bella's bite mark on her arm. I think they tried to make it super visible in this scene because you see Riley getting bitten at the start of the film and you're like, oh, hey, Bella was bitten too. But guess what? It's on the wrong arm. She was bitten on the left arm in Twilight and now she's got the scar on her right arm. I mean, just the continuity, guys. And then she goes home and Charlie's reading the paper about, you know, death and destruction in Seattle. And I think Charlie hates Bella. At least this version of Charlie. He hates the guts because he's just being so sullen. He's just not going to be back on the couch. And she's got her feet up on the coffee table. Like, okay, Bella, I know you do all the cooking, you do all the cleaning, you practically run that house, but get your feet off the coffee table. So that was just Charlie giving her the pep talk about she's not grounded, she should talk to her friends, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to call Jake and Jake is screening her calls. Oh, poor Bella. So just like in the book, she's like, fine, I'll go drive my truck to La Push and I'll come and see you in person. But no, he's disabled the truck. Edward has yanked the engine out of the hood. I don't really know car terminology, but I think it's a hood. The engine box. He's yanked the the motor out of the engine box. Let's just say that. Which, yeah, is a full-on psycho move. And then he's in the car all of a sudden. And that was a jump scare moment for me and for everybody watching, I assume. But Bella, she's such a fucking idiot. They have a few words together. And then she's like, hey, did you disable my truck? And he's like, yeah, no shit, Bells. No shit, I don't want you going to La Push. It's too dangerous. You should hang out with me, a vampire who wants to eat your blood. Don't go hanging out with werewolves. They're too dangerous. So then she goes to school. All her little school chums are sitting in the cafeteria because guess what? Jessica's valedictorian. Move aside, Eric. I mean, who's believing that Jessica is the school valedictorian? Ah, not Angela? The one with glasses, the nerdy one with glasses that we assumed was the smart one. I would have given it to her, but no, Jessica's the valedictorian. Interesting. And Jasper's also at school, apparently. He missed the graduation memo. And then because the vampires have no poker face, Alice gets a vision and she's like, I'm having a vision. And Edward's like all concerned and spooked. And he's gulping. He's like, he's, he's literally gulping. And Jasper's like spinning his head around being like, oh my God, Alice, are you okay? And all the humans are just not noticing this except for Bella. They're all like, la da da, schoolyard chums. And I'm like, guys, are you not sensing the room? They're being so obvious. And like Alice and Edward can communicate non-verbally. I don't know why we need to be doing gulps and like harsh turns. And then afterwards outside the station, I, I don't know why Bella's outside the station, but meanwhile, Riley's parents are talking to Charlie or whatever about their missing son. I tell you what, 
The movie really tries to make Riley a thing. They're like, we'll start with Riley. We'll refer to Riley in newspaper articles. We'll see his parents. We'll just track Riley's momentum throughout the story. He's, he's the hero of the film. But Edward and Bella, they're outside of the station. And Edward's like, up. Ah, everyone thinks Alice is a kooky little psycho. They think she's kooky. They think she's weird. No one will notice anything. And then he brings up the airline ticket to Florida. And she's like, wait a minute. And he says, yeah, all right, look, let's just get out of town. With what's going on in Seattle, the Volturi will probably monitor it. He's laying it all out. Whereas I think in the book, it was a bit shadier for a bit longer. And then the parents of Riley leave and Charlie's like, I'll fax that right to you guys. Fax? When was this made? When was this set? I'm sorry, fax? A fax. A fax. Using a fax machine. What the fax going on with that? And then bam, she's in Florida and she's tanning with her mum and yet she's still the palest person in the world. More pale than Edward. And her mum and her are just like sitting out in the sun. Meanwhile, Edward's like hiding inside, even though he doesn't glitter usually. And like, he's still in the sunroom. Like, yeah, yeah, he's inside, but it's like a room full of windows. How is the light, the natural light, not just creeping in and making him glimmer a little bit? You're in a sunroom, Edward. And then her mum's like, Bella, I got you a gift. And she's like, no, mum, don't, don't spend any on me. Why are you spending any money on little old me? And she's like, I didn't. And which is classic Renee, always getting out on giving a gift. And she opens up this gift. Oh God, it's the worst gift I've ever seen. It's like a blanket made out of shirts. And she's like, oh wow, these are all our old trip shirts. Yet shame if you ever wanted to wear one ever again. Trip shirts? Where have they been going on trips to get all these shirts? And she's like, this will be nice in Alaska. What? She's going to need a lot more than just a couple of shirts stitched together in Alaska. Meanwhile, her mum lives right on the ocean, apparently, which I assume would be in a property that costs quite a pretty penny. And I think she's saving all those pennies because she's not spending any money on her daughter's graduation gift. Oh, that fugly blanket. Oh, it's so fugly. Oh, our old trip shirts. That's the best. She never uses it. I don't think we ever see this blanket ever again. And she's like, oh, you'll need it in Alaska where it's cold. She's living in Forks. It's cold there too. Why haven't you made her this blanket before? It's just like the scrapbook again. I just, I can't. So then we cut to the forest. The rest of the Cullens are there because Alice like has a hunch that Victoria's going to show up and all of her hunches are always correct. And Victoria is Bryce Dallas Howard all of a sudden. I don't know how Alice didn't see that coming. And then she jumps over to the wolves' territory and then the wolves start chasing her. And I'm glad we get to see all of this instead of just hearing about it. Remember in the book, they weren't telling her what happened and then she had to ask like a million times. Oh, that was painful. So it's best just for us to see it, much better. You know, I like the movie better than the book. I've decided. Then they're back from Florida. She's going to school and Jacob's there waiting in this like tight black t-shirt. He's got like this wet hair and a scowl on his face. And Bella's like, oh, hey, Jake even though he clearly looks like mad at her and pissed off. And she's like, what's up, Jack? And he's just checking to see if she's still human. And he's, oh, he's pissed. He's pissed. And this Taylor Lautner, I'm sorry, but is he the worst actor in the world? Because I sort of think he might be. That permanent scowl on his face, like, oh, cheer up. Cheer up, Jake. And then Jacob's doing that whole thing where he's like, why haven't you told her about the fight the other night and the Victoria and the wolves and the Emmett and and she's all like, why didn't you tell me, Edward? And Mutton Chop McGee, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, want you to know. I didn't want you to worry. God, those mutton chops, they really do detract the eye, don't they? (sighs) 
If it were a love triangle, I'd be going with Jacob with the scowl on his face rather than the mutton chops on his face. Those mutton chops, oh my goodness. It's hard to look at anything else. So then she hops onto Jake's bike. She puts on his helmet. So he's raw dogging it without a helmet. And they go to La Push in what I think is a different house than what we saw in the previous movie. And all the pack boys are there in their jorts. Oh, so much jorts. And they're all shirtless, but wearing their jorts. And one of them is just like, eating chicken. Just like, oh, hey, Bells, just like snacking on some chicken. Just like, just a drumstick in hand. Seems like an odd character choice. And then Leah comes out and she's salty. And because we all hate Leah, we're like, oh, fucking Leah. And she's just like giving that back to us. She's like, yeah, everyone hates me and I hate everyone. That's the energy she has. And then Scarface comes out and she's sweet as pie. So, you know, same as last movie, but Bella looks back and she sees Leah transform into a wolf, shredding clothes behind her. Leah, stop shredding all your clothes. And then Bella and Jake just have a little chat in the sunshine. I tell you what, it's never raining. This is the nicest weather we've ever seen in Forks. I was led to believe that it's the rainiest town in America, but it's never raining, just never raining. And so then Jacob, he's explaining imprinting to Bella and he's trying to make it not sound creepy, but it's still fucking creepy. Although in the movie, they don't mention that Quill imprinted on a two-year-old. They're like, let's save that for Breaking Dawn. We don't want to creep people out too soon. And I will say also the plot moved quite quickly. We didn't have, you know, chapters and chapters about Angela's invitations to graduation ceremonies and all the talk about applying for universities. We we sort of skipped over that, which I appreciate. And Bella's like, have you ever imprinted on me? And he's like, no, I haven't. She's like, you sure you haven't ever imprinted on me? I'm so cute. And he's like, nah, not yet. I thought I would, but nah. And she's like, oh, all right. And so then they talk about how she's going to die soon. And Jacob freaks the fuck out. He throws a wrench across the room, whereas usually in that barn, they usually only throw pizzas, but he's throwing a wrench and it doesn't transform into a pizza, which is different. Still not over that pizza transition from New Moon. Oh, sometimes I just go back and watch that on YouTube. It stays with you. Yeah, so Jacob, he's popping off. And I just cannot get over how bad he is at portraying an emotion. And you could say that that's an important skill for an actor to have, to be able to convey emotion, but no, no one gave him the memo. Looks nice though, fills out that black tea. So then we cut to Bella's room and Riley, protagonist of the film Riley, he's wandering around, rubbing his hand all over a pillow, fiddling with her dream catcher. Oh, and you know what's on her bed? The shirt blanket. I stand corrected. And Riley, we all know he's got to grab something with her scent on it. And he grabs a red blouse. He's like, I could grab this ugly ass blanket, but I'm not going to because it's fucking hideous and I don't want to touch it. And then he walks past Charlie, who's asleep on the couch with like a folder in front of him full of paperwork, which is probably about his own death, which is ironic, but he doesn't kill him. So props to Riley for the self-control. Then Bella gets home late and Charlie's like, you know, Edward could respect mealtimes, you know, probably because Charlie's starving because he doesn't cook food for himself. And Bella's like, well, I was actually with Jacob. And he's like, oh, that's fine then. But then Edward's at the door and he's like, oh my God, someone's been here, Bells. He's like, Bells, Bells, someone's been here. He's fondled your dream catcher. God, there's a lot of dream catcher work in this film. So Edward straight away is like, we got to go back to the Cullen house and have a chat. We got to chat this out. And Bella straight away, she's like, it could be Victoria. Whereas in the book, we know Victoria was completely ruled out for like 30 chapters. But Alice says, no, I would have seen if it were her. I would have seen her decide. Oh my goodness. Yeah, sure you would have. So they don't know what to do. So they recruit 
Jacob Black in a little muscle tee. Oh, he chopped the sleeves off and now he's wearing a, whew, a little muscle shirt. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Um, and he's wearing jorts. He's wearing jorts. He's progressively going to be wearing less clothes as the show goes on. We start with him in a t-shirt and full length jeans. And now we're getting a, a muscle singlet and some jorts. So soon we'll be jorts only. And then at the end of the film, he will be naked. Spoiler alert, he will get naked. And Bella does that line about, God, she's Switzerland. At least she's talking about the Switzerland metaphor and not the magnets metaphor. If she, if she brought up the magnets, if they included that scene of her in the kitchen trying to force two magnets together, I swear to God, I would have, I would have just slammed my laptop shut. I would have said, no sirree, Bob. So then Edward's dropping her off at the meeting point for her to go and hang out with Jacob. And Jacob's now shirtless. He's now shirtless. And Edward's like, does he ever wear a shirt? And it's like, yeah, you've, you've actually seen him wear shirts twice already in the past couple of days. But Edward's clearly threatened. So he makes out with Bella in front of Jacob. And Jacob's like, ah, oh, geez, I'll just flex my abs while I'm staring. And you know what? Jacob might not be a great actor, but his abs are certainly acting for him. They're acting a lot more than wooden Kristen Stewart. I tell you what, that Kristen Stewart. Oh, Talk about a plank of wood on screen. Oh my God. How she got nominated for that Oscar. I oh, oh, Could have knocked me over with a feather on Oscar nomination to stay when she got nominated. I swear. Oh, I think she's dreadful. Dreadful. So Jacob takes her to the campfire council meeting where we get the tribal stories. These stories are super condensed to what we got in the book. They sort of cut out the origins of the wolves, the first shapeshifter, and they just stick to that third wife story. And Seth's there and he is like four years old. He looks four years old. And so we get in flashback the story of the third wife and all that. And we, we see this vampire in full sunlight, not the teensiest bit of glitter, not the teensiest bit of glitter. Like, would it be that hard? Did we need to go on GoFundMe and get a glitter budget for this film? Because I would have donated. And yeah, we see the third wife sacrifice and it still makes no sense to me. Because she gets up and she full on stabs herself in the gut. And I'm like, if you just wanted a bit of blood to distract the vampire, would you not have just done a teensy little cut on your palm? Just a teensy little cut. She had to go for the full stab. So unnecessary. And I'm still angry because would it have been that hard to learn a name? Just learn a name, the third wife. Meanwhile, when she does stab herself, she's wrapped in a little camisole and a blood splotch does appear, but there's no cut in that camisole. That knife didn't break the fabric. And yet there was blood. I could see the stitching still all intact. And could that vampire not have smelt the blood of all the other people that she'd killed? She just killed a whole village. And then one poor bitch stabbing herself in the gut. Oh my God. Oh, there's blood. Oh, I smell blood. Yeah. Do you not smell the blood of the guy whose neck you just cracked? And then we cut to Riley transforming people into newborns. And we see this little Bray Tanner. Bray Tanner? She gets more of a little story arc in the film too. And Riley's like, oh, hey, Bray, you're a vampire. Just, you know, welcome to the group. And I'm like, okay, okay. I know we needed to build up an army here, but did you have to pick a 14 year old girl? Would you not have maybe like grabbed someone else who who was a bit older and stronger to be a part of your army? I don't know. And then we see one of the other newborns get killed and it just looks like, cracked porcelain getting shattered. Oh boy. I don't really know if that's how vampires die. 
Uh, it didn't look like James died that way in Twilight, but okay, well, that's how they die now. And we have another meeting at the Cullens' house and they're like, oh, it's a newborn army, clearly. And also the Volturi will be monitoring this. They're much smarter characters in the film. They just get straight to the point, but oh my God, those sideburns. Oh, I was led to believe that a vampire can't change their appearance after being turned, but I tell you what, each Cullen looks different as the films progress. Oh, those mutton chops. So Mutton Chop McGee, he's pretty much just saying, I bet the Volturi are letting this happen to eliminate us. And they're all like, yeah, sound theory, good job. And Bella comes home and Charlie's still pouring over the missing persons ad for Riley. Oh God. Riley is in this movie more than Mike. He's in it more than Esme. He's, he's in it more than Esme. I just, I'm sick of Riley. I'm sick of him. And then we go upstairs, Bella and Edward are canoodling and she's, I'll, I'll give it to her. She's hugging the blanket. That prop department said, I just cut up all my shirts to make this fucking blanket. You're going to use the blanket in the production, okay? And I must say, she's using the blanket. I would have thrown it in the bin. I would have said, oh, thanks, Renee. It's precious. Chucked it in the bin at the airport. It wasn't coming home with me to forks. I wasn't paying excess baggage to ship that blanket back. Shove your blanket up your ass, Renee. God, I hate Renee. So then the next day, Jacob says that he loves Bella. He's going to fight for Bella, blah, blah, blah until her heart stops beating. And she's like, well, that's not gonna be long. (laughs) She's just really taunting him at this point that she's gonna become a vampire soon. His worst fear in the world, and she just keeps bringing it up. And Jacob is still being a creep, you know, with, with the assault. It doesn't seem as bad in the film as it seemed in the book. Sort of just went in for a kiss, and then she pushed him off, and then he stopped. Whereas in the book, I think he was like continually going on after that. And then she, yeah, she punches him, breaks her hand. And then Edward, he's like, get the fuck off her. Get the fuck off her. And Jacob's like, get your mutton chops out of my face. And he's like, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And they're all just up in each other's face. Meanwhile, she's like, my hand hurts. And then Charlie's like, oh my God, guys. Can you break it up, guys? So Carlisle looks at her hand. And Emmett and Bella are just like flirting about how she punched a werewolf. Emmett's like, yeah, that's badass. And she's like, yeah, do you reckon it is? Just trying to fit in with the cool kids. It's, it's desperate. It comes off as desperate, Bells. And Rosalie, she's like, oh, I don't want none of this business. And so Rosalie walks away, just wanting some alone time. And Bella's like, I'll follow her and corner her on the balcony and have a chat with her. Bella, no, she doesn't want to talk to you, Bells. But she does talk to her. We get the Rosalie flashback. I quite enjoyed it. I really liked seeing her kill Royce. I thought that was fun. Oh, and then we get another scene with Riley, protagonist of the show, Riley. He has given the newborns a pep talk. I tell you what, these Riley scenes don't add much. It was fun at the start. First scene, I was like, oh, this is a novel idea. It's good to see things we haven't seen before. But now I'm like, oh God, go away, Riley. Riley, I'm done. But then we pan to a rooftop and the Volturi are watching. And they're not that far away. So I don't know how like, Riley and the newborns don't just look up and notice four vampires. And they're talking loudly about them. Dimitri's asking Jane when they should kill them all. And Jane's like, oh, in a minute. And it's just like, um, they're right there. You got, all of you have super hearing. I don't know why you're not hiding. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And Jane says that Arrow's decisions are being watched. Okay, why is Alice not watching Jane's decisions either? Why is Alice just focusing on Arrow? And then who sent Jane here? Did Arrow say, oh, my decisions are being watched. I got to send you guys here. Then why would Alice not see that? He must have made a decision to not make decisions. Oh, so stupid. And Jane, I love Jane because she's just like not going to put up with any bullshit. One of her little Volturi mates says something she doesn't like and she's just like tortures him with their power. She's like, oh, shut up. I don't want to engage with you, okay? So I'm just going to torture you. And you know what? That's the energy we should all be bringing into the second half of 2022. Let's stop indulging bullshit. And then we scan back down and Riley looks up at the rooftop, but they're gone. Riley, blink and you'll miss it. You just missed them. So then we go to the graduation. Jessica's making her speech. They're all sitting in non-alphabetical order. And Jacob and Billy don't come to a graduation, which I thought was a bit sad. And we also don't have that subplot where Alice is trying to like not think about Victoria because they've already realized that Victoria might be behind it. Then we go to the Cullens' house for the graduation party. And I'm thinking, do they hide that mural they have of the graduation caps? Do they just like take that down when they invite humans over? Because I can imagine the humans would be like, that's a lot of graduation caps for two adults and like five children. That's a lot. And how the town of Forks is so on board with two couples being in an adopted family. Like, okay, so like you've got your Esme, you've got your Carlisle. They've adopted people. Okay, okay, we can get on board with that. But then you've got two instances of step-siblings dating each other quite openly and proudly. You wouldn't think anyone would be like, that's a bit odd. That's a bit odd. Once, once you'd be like, super fucking creepy, but I'll let it slide. But the second time... When you start seeing Jasper and Alice walking hand in hand, as well as Emmett and Rosalie, you'd think that's, that's a bit particular because they don't hide the fact that they're a couple. You wouldn't think they're just cozy cousins. No, no. I would have thought Angela Weber at that party would just be looking around thinking this is fucked. This is a sex cult house. Anyway, Alice gets a vision of them all sniffing Bella's blouse as per the book. And she's like, they're coming. And Jasper's like, we better get practicing. And the wolves are like, we'll come too. So they do that thing where they practice tactical fighting moves in the forest. Bright daylight, no rain, no glitter. No, not a single bit of glitter. 
And no rain. Forks is the sunniest town in America. And what I don't understand is, in Twilight, Alice was like, oh, there's a thunderstorm coming. That means we can finally play baseball. Because it was so loud when they attacked each other, they needed the coverage of a thunderstorm because it sounds like thunder when two of their bodies hit one another at speed, right? We had to wait for a storm. And here they are on the nicest day ever, a sunny day in the forest, not that far away from town. And they're banging and they're slamming and they don't care. There's not a thunderstorm about. Meanwhile, Bella and Jacob are just canoodling. And I can't watch this scene the same because Jacob's in wolf form. But have you seen like the behind the scenes shot where Jacob's just wearing the gray sperm suit for the CGI motion capture or whatever? And it's like, once you've seen that, once you've seen Kristen Stewart, Pat Taylor Lautner wearing a gray condom, you can't come back from that. You just lose all sense of the fantasy. And then Jasper, he tells his flashback story, which is, you know, fine. I think he's giving Bella, you know, perhaps a bit too much detail. He's like vividly describing how he choked out the newborns that were no longer required. Okay, I would have left that out. She didn't really need to know that. But then glossed over the love story a bit with Alice. (laughs) Just glossed over that. And then Bella's waking up from a nightmare. And I will admit she was cuddling that stupid blanket, that shirt blanket. She really was. You know, I thought it didn't come up ever again in the film, but it's actually in every single fucking scene. (laughs) And she's saying, oh my God, it's Victoria. Victoria's behind the newborn army. I thought we had clarified that that was a possibility. I thought we were talking openly about that, but she's like, she's behind everything. And Edward's like, oh my God, maybe you're right. But he says, no, Victoria must be hiding and not making decisions. Alice is watching her. She mustn't be making any decisions. And then immediately, immediately, we cut to a scene in Seattle with Riley. Oh, top build, Riley. And then Victoria runs in, kills a human, bites a human's neck and says, welcome to the army. And I'm like, okay, so she is making decisions. (laughs) They just immediately contradicted themselves. Edward's like, ah, she's not going to make a decision because we'd see if she made a decision. Bam, she goes and makes a decision and we see it, but Alice doesn't. And then the next day, oh, it's a bright, shiny day. Not even a cloud, no rain. All you need is a light jacket. Describe your perfect date. It's a tough one. (laughs) Um, I'd have to say April 25th, because it's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. And this is when Bella's saying to Mutton Chops McGee that they need to stick together. She doesn't want him to leave her side for the battle, blah, blah, blah. And we cut to the clearing. It's a, it's a beautiful sunny day. Jacob's in his jorts, shirtless in his jorts. And man, he fills out those jorts. Oh God. Terrible actor, sexy man. There I said it. Um, so they're talking about the plan to cover Bella's scent, draw Bella's scent away or something about the campsite. You know, you know the plot. So then they go back to Bella's house. Charlie's flirting with Alice. It's always disturbed me how much Charlie likes Alice. Like stop cracking onto your daughter's best friend. It's creepy, Charlie. And so they're setting up the story where they're gonna go shopping while the others are camping, while blah, 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 Charlie's gone fishing, blah, 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 we know the plot. So Bella goes inside and Charlie's like, oh, I like that, I like that Alice. She's a, she's a nice friend. And Bella's like, yeah, she's, she's great. And Charlie's like, I'm going to crack onto her. 
And then Bella out of nowhere is like, hey, dad, why didn't you get remarried after mum? Like, where the fuck did that come from, Bells? And he gives her the sex talk and it's predictably awkward. And she's like, no, it's not like that. Edward and I have never done that. I'm still a virgin, blah, blah, blah. And Charlie's like, okay, well, that makes me like Edward a bit more. And then immediately, immediately, another jump cut that contradicts the scene we just had. She goes to Edward's house and she's trying to jump his bones. The sex talk from Charlie turned her on and inspired her to try and chase a route. But of course, she doesn't get that route that she wants. They have the chat about the conditions because every good proposal should come following a a big long chat about certain conditions and manipulations that need to be in order for someone to say yes to marrying you. And Martin Chops McGee, he's like, I want to do it, but after we're married, because that's a sin, even though I've killed people. And he pulls out the ugliest fucking ring I've ever seen. I don't care if it's an heirloom. You put that shit back into the family vault and you go down to Tiffany's. I'm sorry. That is the ugliest fucking ring I've ever seen. It looks like costume jewelry. Costume jewelry. I could have gotten that at the weekend markets or at the op shop. The bloody salvos on a Saturday morning. And then we cut to Riley. Oh my God, Riley again. Too much of a good thing, Riley. I've had enough of you. And he's chatting to Victoria. And Victoria's lecturing him about how it will be a last minute decision. She says, I told you how their powers work. I need to make a last minute decision. So she's actively deciding to make a last minute decision. How does that slip through the cracks? Someone explain that to me. Send me a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash breaking down books and tell me how that works because I don't get it. Meanwhile, Victoria's full on manipulating Riley, just saying James was just a friend. She loves Riley. Just really laying it on thick. And is it just me or does Seattle, in all the Seattle scenes, look like the scummiest, grimiest place? It looks like a place you'd never want to visit. It's always dark. It's always raining. It's always dank. Meanwhile, folks, the sun is shining. The sun is shining and the vampires aren't glittering because then we cut to, she's in the forest, she's dropping her blood around the leaves and Mutton Chops McGee's there and he's not glittering. And Jacob's there in his cargo jorts, still shirtless, still looking attractive and bad at acting. So they do that thing. Jacob takes Bella off to the campsite and then the newborn vampires are descending and they, they walk through the lake, but like... (laughs) They come up, they're like walking on the bottom of the lake (laughs) and then they emerge from the lake. I'm sorry, that was comical. That was comical. Why would they, why would they do that? They can run super fast and yet they're walking (laughs) at my speed at the bottom of a lake. Just run super fast across the water. Swim. You could even swim. They're just walking at the bottom of a lake. What, what, what? We've seen Victoria swim, right? She swam last movie. Well, <laughs> now all of a sudden the vampires can't swim. And Edward was waiting for Jacob to deliver Bella at the top of the mountain. And he does glitter for like all of two seconds. So yet, unless it's direct sunlight, we're only getting two seconds of glitter budget. Ambient daylight? No, no, that's not going to do it. And even though the weather has been sublime, We cut to the snowstorm, Bella's in the tent, she's shivering, she's shaking, she's about to die. She's on death's bloody door, should have brought the blanket. You'll note the blanket has been left at home, the shirt blanket did not make it to the tent and she probably could have used it. I'm going to say, Renee, that that gift's looking better and better the more the the movie progresses. Could have been a lifeline for Bella fucking Swan, could have been a lifeline. Renee, you did it again, another great gift. 
So we know how the tense scene goes. Jacob canoodles with her. Edward's not happy about it. Then she falls asleep. And then they have that full on conversation. They have that full on conversation at full volume. And at least she is asleep. Whereas, you know, in the book, she was unconscious, but not unconscious, but narrating. In this one, she does appear to be asleep. She could be faking it, but I, I don't know if she is or not. And the next morning, it's just snow is everywhere. Full on snow everywhere. It is still daylight and there is no glittering, but there is snow everywhere. What a marked change from yesterday. And Jacob's still in his jorts, just eavesdropping on Bella and Edward having a chat about how she's going to get married and turn into a vampire, which, you know, Edward set up for Jacob to overhear. This happens all out in the open. In the book, she was still in the tent and Jacob was eavesdropping outside of the tent. But in this one, they're just having a chat. And so Jacob storms off in his little jorts. Actually, I wouldn't really call them jorts. They're they're kind of knee length cargo shorts. I don't know what you'd call that, but you call them a bloody crime against fashion is what you'd call them. But no one's really looking at his shorts, ladies, am I right? Am I right? No one's looking at those jorts when he's got that top off. And so Jacob's upset. And movie Jacob doesn't go as ham on the whole threatening suicide down in the clearing type of thing. He does allude to that, but it's not as full on as in the book. I think the movie does a good job of, you know, de-escalating some of those issues. But Bella's still like, kiss me. And he's like, okay. (laughs) he wanders up in his little jorts and then they start making out and she full on makes out back really quickly. Like she's giving them the full on like little head scratch with a hand in his head at this snow peaked mountain, just really, really long kissing. And then she comes back and Edward's like, well, that was something. And she's like, oh, you saw that, did you? (laughs) And it's like, you're like five meters away. He knows that you just had that full-on makeout sesh with Geordie McGee. And so Mutton Chop McGee, he's upset about her kiss with Geordie McGee, but he's like taking it like a champ. I'll give Edward that. He takes it like a champ. He rolls with the punches. And then baby wolf Seth, he's there. And then we see the newborns coming to attack the Cullens. And some of the newborns are wearing beanies. The Cullens are wearing jackets. Is this really the attire to wear for a fight when you do not experience cold? Jasper's in a hoodie. Jasper's in a hoodie. Emmett's wearing a parka and jeans. Could they have not have geared up in some more active wear? Alice has kitten heels. She has the heels with these tiny little platform little pumps. I'm sorry, could you not have put on a trainer, a pair of sketches perhaps, some Reeboks? You're in a fight, guys. And, and you're doing it in your day clothes. Carlisle, he's wearing a fashionable little sweater. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't experience cold. And I get that the newborns might be wearing the clothes that they were turned in, but you'd take the beanie off. You'd take the beanie off is all I'm saying. Meanwhile, Jasper, he's a beast. He's running around in his little unzipped hoodie and he's just punching people's heads off. He's just punching someone's head and the, and the porcelain head shatters and they're decapitated. I was led to believe that it was a bit harder to kill a vampire than that, but I guess not. I guess not. He's just lopping heads off left and right. And Alice is doing little crouching tiger hidden dragon little twirling moves in her little jazzy little zip up jacket. And Esme, uh, Esme has the weirdest little updo haircut. Uh, uh, go back and have a look at it. Someone leave me a voicemail explaining that haircut. That little updo. What are you trying to intimidate the enemy with your little updo haircut, Esme? What was that about? With a little turtleneck underneath? She's got a turtleneck underneath like a Catmandu little puffer 
puffered vest. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that the ruse was that you guys were going hiking, but you didn't have to actually wear hiking gear to the fight. And there's also a moment where like Emmett and one of the wolves make eye contact mid fight and they just have this like sexy eye contact between them while the fight's still raging around them. And I'm like, what, what was that about? Is that a subplot we need to be worried about? It probably inspired some fanfic. And also Victoria is in the clearing watching it all happen, even though she apparently has not decided anything yet. If Alice's visions are to be believed, she has not decided anything yet. I don't know about that. I do not know about that because she must have. She probably walked through a lake. You're telling me she didn't decide whether or not she should walk or swim through that lake? That's a decision, dickhead. So then Riley and Victoria, they approach Edward and Bella's camp. And Edward's doing that thing like, oh, Riley, hi, Riley. You're the main character of the movie, Riley. She's playing you, Riley. She doesn't love you, Riley. And you know what? Riley has had the biggest character arc in this film. So he very well is the main character. He's had more emotional depth and range than Bella Swan. Bella Plank of Wood Swan. And Riley's just about to pounce on Mutton Chop McGee, but then Baby Wolf Seth, he shakes Riley like a rag doll. He pounces on him and he's like, rah, 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 and he chops Riley's hand off. And Victoria's like, I'm out. <laughs> Victoria's like, I can't fight you guys on my own. I'm out. I'll come again next book. And Edward says, no, you're fucking not. We're going to do this here and now. We should have done this last book, chick, but we're going to do it right now because I'm sick of you just popping up as a recurring villain. Let's get this over with. Edward saying, I don't want you to come back in Breaking Dawn, played by a different actress. I'm not doing this again. So Edward and Victoria fight. And what I don't understand is we just saw Jasper decapitate like six or seven newborns with one punch, one punch each. And he's struggling. (sighs) They're fighting and they're struggling. He's not even making any impact. I I don't know how. And Edward's like banging Riley's head against the rock, not even making a dent. Not even making a dent, whereas Jasper can just punch a head right off its shoulders. And so that's when Bella's like, I better step up to the game here. I better do something. And so then she picks up the most blunt rock I've ever seen. It's a pebble. She picks up a pebble and she makes this little cut on her arm, which turns the tide. Thanks for the tip, third wife. We really got to be thankful for that third wife giving us that tip. And that gives Edward the advantage and he does lop Victoria's head off. Also. In the other heads that we've seen get punched off, they like porcelain smash. You, you know, you just see the head turn into crumbs. Victoria's head, not the case. She's still there in full makeup, full beat. And Edward's like, we better burn her body real quick before she can, what, stick her head back onto her corpse? This is what I don't understand. She's lying, they're pretty much dead. She's decapitated and they're like, oh, we've got to burn the body, otherwise she won't really be dead. What, is she just going to stick it back on? I don't understand. So he gets this little lighter and he lights it and then he throws it onto her body and she ignites straight away. No oil, just ignites straight away. I didn't know she was that flammable. I wouldn't have realized that someone who's as cold and hard as stone as marble would be that flammable and yet she is. So they go back down to the clearing because the Volturi are coming, but there's still one little vampire left. And you know, there's that thing with Leah, Jacob goes to protect Leah and he gets squished by this vampire and he makes the most adorable little yelp, a cute little puppy howl. My dog makes the same sound when I accidentally step on his paw, which doesn't happen very often. Don't call RSPCA on me or anything, but he goes like, ow. And that's the sound that Jacob made. And so this is when Jacob immediately transforms back into human form. In the book, it takes a bit longer. And yeah, he's naked. He's naked. 
just lying there naked on the grass and everyone's crowding around him. So we get some very creative camera framing so we don't see peen or butt cheek. And so they're like, wolves, you gotta go. We've got the Volturi coming. You gotta get out of here. Because apparently the Volturi don't know what a werewolf is, can't smell a werewolf. You'd think they'd walk onto the field and be like, oh my God, oh, oh God, do you guys smell something? No, not the burning vampire corpses right next to me. Like, oh, what's that horrible smell? They make no mention of it. Jane's like, I don't smell nothing. And Jane's all like pretending to be upset that she missed the fight. She's like, whoops, we're a bit late. And that scene happens the same as the book. They try and save Bree Tanner's life. And Jane's like, nah, not on my watch, kid. And they kill Bree Tanner. There goes Bree Tanner. And so then we head to La Push. Carlisle's been looking after Jacob. Bella's there visiting. All the La Push boys are in their jorts, shirtless in their jorts. And so then Bella comes in and Jacob's in a sling. He's sweating, he's going through it. And she thinks now's the time to break up. Again, similar to the book, but we don't get the stupid line about him fighting an eclipse. Oh God. So if you hadn't read the books, you would not know why this film is called Eclipse. You'd just be like, yeah, it's a moon theme name. Like who cares? So she breaks up with him as per usual, but in the book, you know how she was really upset? She went home, she sobbed all night. She was crying, she was screaming, she was weeping. In the movie, she's just in the meadow with Edward the next day. Glorious sunshine, no glitter, not a little bit of glitter. Glorious sunshine, super happy, no breakdown which I appreciate. I mean, it's nice to end on a happy ending, but it's interesting to note. Maybe they just thought, you know what? Kristen Stewart, she can't portray that range. She doesn't have the range for a Bella breakdown. Let's just cut it. And Bella's like, well, better go tell Charlie that we're getting married. Have you got the ring? And he's like, yeah, I've got that ugly ass ring. And he pulls out that ugly fucking ring. Then they make out in the meadow and that's it. That's the film. So yeah, a lot more Riley, a lot less magnets. I'll take it. If I had to swap the magnets for Riley, that's a swap I'll make every day of the week. What did you guys think of the movie? Let me know your thoughts. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to get in on the Insurgent film recap, you can just go over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books to access the bonus content. Next week, we are starting the Da Vinci Code. Honestly, can't wait to get into something different. All the books we've been doing so far have been like YA or erotica. So it's nice to do something that's a little bit different. Speaking of YA and erotica, there might be a bonus episode this week looking at an Eclipse fanfic, but I'm just seeing if I can find one that I like. So if I do, I'll pop that episode out in the feed on a random day. And then we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming with Da Vinci Code. So I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.